When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Hey, welcome in to, I guess, the first edition of the uh, Rice Football Blue and Gray preview show for quite some time. We missed you over the bye week and then we had travel and some things going on last week the weekday thursday night game so i guess we we're chatting off air before this it's been mm-hmm. three weeks since we've gotten together to talk in front of other people jp did you miss me i really did i was saying uh, we see each other once twice sometimes three times a week but i was like hey it, in this setting it feels like it's been a while and uh, not that you asked or anyone else cares, but I had to help the mother-in-law move. I got to help the mother-in-law move. And <laughs> East Texas Good, real estate. send that recording. Yeah. Uh, East Texas real estate, the way that it is, knock on wood, it's almost closed. So mother-in-law has moved out of the quarters and uh, the uh, son-in-law helped her out with that. But thanks for, thanks for adjusting and we're sorry that if uh, – you're out there and you missed us. We apologize, but we got a good guest. Uh, he's he's ready to go. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. We, I guess, uh, real quick, brief moments. Could you have asked for a better Thursday night? I know you didn't get to watch uh, any playoff baseball. You were otherwise uh, <laughs> obliged to uh, do the day job. But when you did get to do the day job, what did what did you kind of think? Hey, it worked out in the end on both ways, right? Um, I, it, it was as thorough. Uh, a polite dismantling as I've ever seen in rice football. And it, 
Because I don't want to say it was a route because you hear 42 to 10, you think it was a route, but it was not a route. Uh, they just made that statement with the three turnovers in the first quarter and really didn't look back. And <clears throat> newsflash, JT Daniels is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. He's not probably going to get Heisman love, unfortunately, uh, but he is the dude of dudes at this group of five level. And it's going to be a great quarterback matchup coming up here this weekend. Yeah, this will be fun. And I guess uh, we have a guest joining us. Uh, welcome, Corey Glore, vo voice, easy for me to say, voice of the green wave, here to talk to Lane. Uh, we'll start you off with an easy one. Who's the better quarterback, JT Daniels or Michael <laughs> Pratt? Wow. I kid, I kid, but that should, wow. that should be a, high, a highlight matchup this weekend. Am I right? You're coming off a three-week hiatus, and you start off with that question. <laughs> um, I mean, listen, the, the numbers and the durability I don't think are lying right now with JT Daniels and what he has done and just injected that offense with, with just a, a huge amount of life. Um, well, Michael Pratt's able to do for this offense is irreplaceable and we've seen him kind of use all the tools in his belt to win games this year when he's been able to stay on the field um i think pure passing wise rice has the edge i think the the playmaking ability of michael pratt he can do probably a couple more things he can move around he can run as we saw against north texas uh and so I think they're slightly different skill sets and quarterbacks but i certainly think he got one and two in the league matching up this weekend Hey, what's up, brother? Good to see you, man. Thanks for doing it's this. It's been a while, JP. How long has it been? <laughs> Welcome to the American. Yeah, I mean, we, we text all the time, and uh, yes. it's good uh, seeing your nice, sweet, smiling, and uh, Taco Bell-loving face there. Uh, Mexican pizza to die, to die for. Yes. I will. That? Is that a thing anymore? Yeah. Oh, oh, this it's a thing, here. Matthew. They, they got rid of it for a while. Here. This guy. Here. Oh, it's back. I'll bring you one when I come in on <laughs> Friday. Yeah, it's our, it's our thing. We love Taco Bell. As if the great conglomerate needs any more pub. So <clears throat> Matthew rightly started out with Pratt because he gets a lot of the focus, but you guys have done so much more with him missing the time. Obviously, the East Texas kid Horton did a, a nice job filling in. But, I mean, I've seen Hughes. We, we kind of start off on other teams' offenses. So tell us about the rest of the offense while Pratt gets the rightful headlines. Rice coach is very complimentary during the week. There aren't any weaknesses on – both any side of the ball, much less on, on offense. So speak to the rest of the offense, good man. Yeah, JP, I mean, this offense has really turned well-rounded in the last couple of weeks, and it does align with, I mean, you mentioned Kai Horton, the, the East Texas kid who, who has been thrown into some crazy spots as a quarterback and a backup here at this program. And so he had to start against Ole Miss week two in a ranked game and then go on the road and start at Southern Miss. And the offense was a little bit more stagnant with him. He can move the ball downfield, but he just doesn't have the, the multifaceted weapons that Michael Pratt does. And so when he returned in week four that started to open things up in the running game a little bit as well Tulane had really a five-man competition heading into the year for the lead running back with, with Tajay Spears now at the Titans and so there really wasn't an answer until probably probably week five or so when conference play started and that's when Makai Hughes really started stepping forward he's just a, a stocky kid who has a good burst of speed once he gets open field and it's He's not a go down on first contact guy. Like even if he gets hit at the line of scrimmage, he's still falling forward for three yards for getting four yards. He averages over six yards a carry right now. And so 
what he has done, he was probably fourth in line heading into the year of the, the depth chart. He tore his meniscus in fall camp last year, missed the entire Cotton Bowl season. And so he's become a little bit of a surprise here of, of him being the lead guy, but he has three straight 100-yard rushing games. And he's just, there's a refusal for him to just immediately fall down to the ground. And so he developing into the back that he's become has kept play action a big element of this offense and that has allowed the wide receiver running game this team will do fly sweeps quite a bit uh and last game against unt it opened up the tight end game and we started throwing to our tight ends a little bit more and so there are so many prongs to this offense and it's really started with pratt coming back from his injury and then makai hughes developing into the guy that he's been yeah, is it almost seem kind of like it's getting to the you know we always as watching these teams we have we we look at the depth chart and we look and we're like okay okay yeah they're going to be good but sometimes you kind of forget that there is a learning and a growing process that kind of goes along uh, as the the two lane of where are we are we week nine where are we in this college week football nine, season yeah, yeah, yeah week nine, nine. <laughs> is the two lane of week nine it's kind of starting to look like last year's Cotton Bowl season uh, was incredible and you know took the loss to Ole Miss and kind of worked through some backup quarterback things does it kind of feel like like you said with that you know you got a running back got some playmakers that that the week nine version of Tulane that Rice sees really might be as cliche as it sounds like the best that they've been yet this season you see that progression you know I I think folks around here would say no not quite yet um because I I don't think what I've been uh what what's been noticeable for me is that you know the, the last couple of weeks the Tulane has had these lulls, about 10-minute lulls in these games in which Memphis put up 21 straight on them a few weeks ago, and then North Texas climbed out of a 21-point hole in the second half and, and just ripped off a run, and suddenly this game was tied. And so I, there was, frankly, a lot of annoyance about how this team played in spite of the win. And so I think they still feel as though they haven't quite fit all the pieces together yet for about 45 50 minutes it certainly looks as though they have but they've had kind of these down stretches here the last couple of weeks even uab had a couple of those uh in week one of the conference season so um i think right now they feel as though the the offense is a pretty well oiled machine it's probably the best it's looked so far this year last week against the mean green uh since week one when this offense was just blowing the doors off of south alabama uh and so it can go in so many different ways. It felt like that finally uh, on Saturday, but there were some defensive lapses and North Texas's offense is not the type of team you want to do that against it. And now they're going to see another one in which you can't have these types of breakdowns that we saw from this two lane secondary. So, um, so I think they still feel as though they haven't quite achieved the quality of play they know they're capable of, but you'd rather have those discussions sitting where they are now, as opposed to one in six. And so, um, so they, they know that uh, they've had to win games a lot of different ways and they've had to kind of, you know, they've been shoved against the wall a couple of times here in conference play, and they've had to fight their way back out of it and they've been able to do it. And so they know they're good enough to do that, but they also know they can't keep falling into these ruts of, you know, just having these little bit of lapses here on the defensive side of the ball and allowing good offenses like what they're about to see really storm the gate on them. Yeah, speaking of, you mentioned that secondary, and you get to uh, meet Bordy here. Are we seeing uh, Bordy here, Matthew? Wow. Usual check. So, oh, yeah. on the defensive side, uh, you mentioned that secondary, while it's had its issues, and obviously a big key against Rice, one of the best passing offenses in the nation. Uh, but 
y'all's run defense, top 10, six, I guess, in the nation. And you stop the run, you can do a lot of great things in this game, as you well know. So uh, speak to the defense and uh, what have been some trends? You, you touched on it there with the secondary last week against uh, we don't have North Texas on the schedule this year, but Rogers, man, he uh, he can hum it. So uh, sp speak to y'all's D there. Yeah, I mean, the, it starts with stopping the run, and they've been, they've held all but one opponent to under 100 yards rushing uh, this season. And UAB did a lot of tricky things uh, on this defense, and so they were able to crack 100. But that's the only one, and really, it's the only one that's gotten close to cracking the century mark running the ball uh and so and, and that's the front four like th this is probably the deepest group on this team the defensive line you had nine guys coming into the year that had all previously started at some point on the defensive line whether it was here or elsewhere uh and so it, it was you know the, the biggest change of how this team plays from last year to this year is that the defense has kind of flipped a little bit where last year it was it was zone coverage keep everything in front of you don't let big plays get behind you this year it's turn the front four loose and stop big plays before they start and so these front four uh have rotated regularly they were a little thin last week they had a couple of injuries but they're getting closer to full strength heading into this game uh and so they've been able to shut down every running game and that's allowed them to tee off on passing games to tee off on quarterbacks they have had success on guys who like to stay in the pocket so far this year and they will be seeing one this weekend but they'll be seeing a, a deadly accurate one who gets the ball out quick so it, they i think they feel confident about making this kind of a one-sided attack for the rice offense because they've done that to so many teams already this year but the one side that rice will be leaning on is the one that they're the best at and so how the secondary handles that and, and last week jarius monroe is the best cover corner on this team he missed most of the game with an injury he he's been practicing full go this week so they're expecting him back lance robinson has the interception numbers because he's kind of been tested a lot more but he has come up with that uh, and more often than not, he, he's tied for the nation high in picks. Uh, but those two cornerbacks kind of solidify the secondary. And, and when Monroe went out last week, North Texas actually took a little bit longer to realize he was out. And once they finally did, they really started picking on that side of the field. And that's what led the comeback. And so if Tulane has those two corners back and healthy, um, then they're where they want to be secondary wise. But they'll let some things happen in the passing game but they're going to rely on the front four to kind of set the tempo for all elements uh, of what happens defensively here. Patrick Jenkins has been a monster at the D tackle spot. Devin Deal, Darius Hodges, uh, those two have rotated at the dog rush position uh, and, and they have like kind of each alternated incredible games so far this year. And, and so that's allowed the back seven to kind of get their feet a little bit more solidified. It starts up front with this team and it's been awesome. Man, I'm, I'm watching and listening, go through name after name. And it's it's kind of interesting today in the transfer portal era. I, I know that Tulane was able to bring a, a good amount of key guys back, but at some point you plug and play and you just kind of like cross your fingers, right? Like to some point you're like, okay, we got some new guys. You might've done it somewhere else. Maybe you haven't done it here or maybe you were watching last year here and, and getting on the field to see Tulane kind of make the strides that they have and, and keep maybe not as dominant a defense, but opportunistic. 
Uh, I think that would be fair to say. Um, how how crucial do you think that that side of the ball, the ability to get those interceptions, the fumbles, and take it away, has been as the offense kind of works through things? It's been huge. I mean, it kept him in the, the Ole Miss game. I mean, that was a four-point game with four minutes left, and that was with your backup quarterback going. And it held Southern Miss in week three to just nothing to speak of. Now, Southern Miss hasn't been the team I think we thought they might be since we've seen them. But th this defense – you know, they, when they've needed to come up with stops as well, they've been able to. Like, they, they had to stop North Texas with two and a half to go last week when they hadn't stopped them all second half, and they did. They had to stop Memphis after they went on their charge a few weeks ago after they jumped out to an 11-point second half lead, and they did. Getting the opportunistic turnovers, that was not part of Tulane's game last year. They were not turnover heavy. They were not sack heavy. Now those two numbers are near the tops of the league because it's Shea Wood, a new defensive coordinator, comes over from Troy, and his mantra is aggression and pressure and really cause your opposing quarterback a lot of panic because good things will happen for you if that's the case. And that's been, by and large, what's happened so far this year for the two-lane defense. It's, it's a stark contrast from how they played last year, but it has worked, by and large, for most of the season, especially in the running game. But then when they're able to close up a pocket quick, they're able to force bad decisions and take advantage of them. And, and so it's been a little bit of a, a different style, but the results have been the same. Again, here with the uh, great Corey Glore, voice of the Tulane Green Wave. How about the magic of Coach Fritz? I, I sat down in one of these types and said, Matthew and I both did. Let's not exclude uh, young Matthew, the uh, dapper guy over there. Uh, we sat down and talked to him, and it was just a ball session. And during the week, Coach Bloomgren really – he gave him so many great uh, flowers, as the kiddos say, but um, and, and spoke to his special teams abilities at his presser yesterday. So how, is, how have you seen Coach Fritz handle not just the psychology and adjusting to this year's team, but just uh, what kind of imprint at, that he has on this, uh, this roster and just the obviously mentality leading this staff and these men? Yeah, I mean, as as you know, just how a coach develops a program is not necessarily how they play, but how everyone kind of binds together and and um, and interacts with each other. And, and what what Coach Fritz has managed to build here is a, a huge challenge. There's no way around it. And you think about. You know, I got here uh, two years ago. I'm in my third season, and that was a two and ten football season. When the first month of the year, they were living in Birmingham because of a hurricane, and this program could have completely disintegrated off of that. And instead, what happened is because of the relationships that Willie Fritz has has managed to put together here, the types of team he recruits here, he brings a lot of guys back home to New Orleans. Matthew, you alluded to kind of the transfer approach here. A lot of them are New Orleans kids that started elsewhere and bringing them back home to play here. It's been a huge element of what he's done. And so he's brought in a lot of guys that, you know, this is a New Orleans school, even though it doesn't maybe quite fit what many people think of, of the city, but he has brought back so many kids who grew up here and played football here that it has kind of entrenched the New Orleans chip on the shoulder for this program, but also how you go about day-to-day -day life in this city. It's a unique place. Uh, and so when two and 10 happened, all the members of that team, you know, they could have fleed, but they didn't because 
they understood what was being built here, that they were so much better than that, and that they wanted to see this through. That wasn't going to be their lasting mark. And so they go out and they go to the Cotton Bowl and they win that. And the, the reversal has been like this. And now it's to the point where everyone's coming here expecting New Year six year after year. And next year it's a 12 team playoff. And now that's the barometer that's been set here in a very quick fashion. That's with Willie Fritz holding this together after what was a disaster of a 2021. It speaks to him as a coach, but as a person that he was able to kind of keep this all intact to allow the success that we're seeing now. That's kind of kind of remarkable. And it's especially when you, you from a, a two win season to a cotton bowl and, and now that's the norm. This is the college football world that we live in today. I I, I couldn't help but but chuckle, uh, you know, because because we've we've heard it too. Even with the Rice has not had the success that Tulane has had to this point, but but getting upset at wins, I'm like, man, <laughs> to have the luxury, it's it's it kind of just throws you for a loop sometimes when you're watching it, huh? Well, and you know, I've talked with Coach Fritz this week already. He knows the, the 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 very strong similarities between these two programs and these two schools, and now in the same conference again. Uh, and so, I, I think for for folks around Rice who are seeing, you know, what what Coach Bloomgren's done there, I think is very unheralded. And Willie Fritz is is very much stating that to people here that. You know, this is not, you know, what, what Coach Bloomgren has been able to put together there uh, is just as impressive as what's happened here. And with now the push that Rice is doing of really in, in investing in that program and now the jump up in league, th this is the now the mark, right? Like I imagine Rice is going to be looking at Tulane here, win or loss this weekend and seeing this, this is the program we can be now. Um, because it, it's possible. Like, I think folks, you know, uh, JP, you can probably speak to this. Folks probably thought, you know, bowl game, you know, right? That That's that's the bar, right? And that was the bar here for a long time until recent years. But now I think high academic institutions playing in, in a conference like the American can see what's really possible here. And Tulane's kind of broken through that glass door a little bit to kind of shine the light for a school like Rice to try and do the same folks here would prefer it doesn't start this weekend and so they know it's they know it's possible um but uh but yeah it, it's for Tulane to kind of show the way of yeah this this can be done at a school like this in a conference like this that's only a huge benefit to a school like Rice who is in the same exact position hey brother thanks so much uh appreciate the time a cheesy gordita crunch Mexican pizza awaits when you come to our palatial surroundings here appreciate you oh. man a little fire sauce, a little Baja Blast, and I am game day ready, Mr. Heath. Okay. I need a, I need to get some Baja Blast. I haven't taken that plunge. I'm, I'm a mild guy. We're over here in Texas, you know, not like you wild. Um, uh, Wisconsin to New Orleans and North Carolina in between transfers. But you're yes. the man, man. Thank you, JP, Matthew. Great talking with you. This should be a heck of a game. I really think it's going to be a heck of a game Saturday. Thanks, brother. See you I soon, man. Hope. See you guys. See you, man. The great uh, Corey Glore joining us. Yeah, we go back at that. Didn't speak of uh, the uh, used to be uh, co-workers of sorts in the old IMG days. So I dealt with Corey a lot and he is a good dude. Good dude. And uh, as we are wont to do uh, when we have a lot of those uh, connections already, get those guys on it. Uh, it gives a whole new depth. What we like uh, bringing here to the masses? But. Yeah, that's uh, kind of a doctorate in uh, Tulane, <laughs> biggest game of the year. Uh, we got some uh, great info there.
Yeah, I, it's I'm so glad to just be able to have folks in in our network and adjacent that we can come. On. I mean, you and I can can spitball and throw darts on a dartboard at at rosters mm-hmm. and, and give our best two cents. But yeah, it's uh, it's much more interesting to me to to learn something for for one, and then just to hear somebody who's who's been there and in in the weeds on the ground in the in the quarter. I thought he was going to bring over some good food, but no, apparently we got Taco Bell. Yeah, he's he's weird like that in a, in a good weird way. Uh, I've been a midlife uh, Taco Bell kind of transfer. If you, I, I hit the portal, and uh, yeah, the, <laughs> the heats heats will devour that uh, a couple times a week. Do you want to uh, go back into some of the greenies, or uh, we have a little time left on our little uh, podcast slash vodcast meter? Uh, yeah, hey, you, you got the reins here. What do you want to do, good man? Well, we could either break down Taco Bell orders or we could talk a couple of big picture closing thoughts. We'll say we'll save the Taco Bell order. You'd be thinking, marinating on, on <laughs> you can make your recommendation to these good folks at the end. But when you look at this game, because I thought it was really interesting how Corey kind of closed us out and talking about the similarities between Rice and Tulane. Obviously, you have the private academic ties and the challenges that you know we've heard at rice with the recruiting those pieces but big picture what you know what was the two win two lane team that ends up going to the cotton bowl and the, and the growth that they've had you know you'd love to draw close comparisons to what mike bloomgren is building at rice uh, where are we zooming in on on boardy here i was but, just uh, i didn't get their offense earlier um I mean, Hughes and Pratt are their big guys, but yeah, I didn't want to distract you. Didn't want to dangle no, the keys. I, I'm I'm all for it, and I just want to kind of close big picture thoughts because obviously, if you put aspirational goals of where Rice football wants to be, I think you have to circle Tulane, right? Isn't this now that I'm thinking through it? Isn't the aspirational where Rice wants to be? You want to be this program, so is there any better way to put yourself on the map with getting to that goal than beating this program? That would be that would be the the kind of the proof positive that you've maybe not maybe not you that you're there. I think this team hasn't been consistent enough to to ever quite say that they've arrived quite yet. But mm-hmm. I think we could learn a lot about this team in this game, maybe more than we could see from them playing an SMU or a UTSA. They got some big big hitters left on the schedule, but. Uh, I guess the the gravity of how how interesting and impactful this particular game could be is is kind of just dawning on me right now. Yeah, and I know you are a a man of intense preparation. As I uh, I say it all the time, I go to you for a lot of my uh, great practice notes when I can't make there, and a few things on that. Um, you know this already with your intense prep, I think. But the last time Rice had a ranked team come, just any ranked team come into historic Rice Stadium was? I believe 2006 is the answer. It's Baylor. Baylor was uh, top 25. A, uh, that was uh, post-Art Bryles Friday night game. Really? 17-ish, yeah. So it's been about six, seven years since a ranked team has kicked off a game against our uh, scholars from South Maine. Now, second part of my little diatribe, the last time a conference team has come in as a ranked team. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Is that the 2006? Um, where is or did it? I just pull that number out of the blue? 
I'm guessing you have the answer if you're quizzing me. Yeah, BYU was at uh, 1997. Uh, BYU. BYU conference yeah. game. BYU man, we're going back and, to yes, the whack. Going, to the, going back to the whack of the wayback machine of my college DJ days. Uh, oh, yeah, man. but little nugget there: the Owls have won their last two conference games against ranked teams, and the ranked team has been conference. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say. It's still early. It's not a regular noon start time, but last time two ranked teams have come in here uh, in conference games. The Rice has uh, scored at least one more point. So, yeah, that's uh, that's the magnitude of how this doesn't happen all that often and how it's the new norm, like Coach Bloomgren talked about during the week. Uh, that, that didn't happen during Conference USA's day. You have to go all the way back. And, of course, there are many – uh, inside the, the Southwest Conference days and uh, many wins in Southwest Conference days against ranked teams coming in. So, yeah, that speaks well, to what I, you said about the gravity of it. I have to go back and, and think through it. The only ranked team that Rice played in the last five years in Conference USA, that would have been the Marshall game. Because mm -hmm. I, I don't believe they – I think UAB and UTSA each had some runs where they got ranked – at some points, but I don't believe that ever crossed over when the Owls played them. So, yeah, UTSA had votes, I think, for two of those games. Uh, but, yeah, it was you're, – you're correct on that. I am correct. Sometimes. We're going to clip that. We can just play that little sounder at any point you want during mm -hmm. the show. You're correct. You're correct. I'm not always correct, but sometimes I play it on TV. Uh, anyhow, yeah, mm -hmm. big game. Obviously, we kind of talked through with him kind of some closing thoughts on this one. Uh, man, I, I think if you can get a opportunistic defense, this is kind of what I'm circling here for Rice. I think JT is going to be JT. I think the offense is going to score points. I would be so surprised if this isn't a game where both sides are over I'll call it 28 I I think we're gonna have a, a bit of a, a points fest scoring here so if you can tell me that your your defense can I don't maybe absolutely have to have a carbon copy of what you got last week with plus three and takeaways but if you can get a couple opportunistic plays this has been a bend but don't break defense hold people to field goals, get some stops on fourth down in the red zone. If you can do that, I have pretty full confidence the offense is going to score. And I think that's what Rice really needs is we talked about the battle of, you know, the Rice offense versus the Tulane, Tulane defense. I think the other side, Rice defense versus the Tulane offense. I think this might be really where the game might be decided. Yeah, because that was a different D there uh, up the national lights there last week. Uh, that was a totally different defense against uh, Tulsa, especially with the start of it and how they just immediately took advantage. And they had the different kinds of drives in that Tulsa game. But I, I think kind of landing the plane here that the, the key is going to be can Tulane get pressure on JT Daniels part one and two, I, I want the Owls still to run the football because uh, I don't think we text about this specific thing, but do you know how giddy I was that the Owls got that great ground game from uh, our guy Dino? And uh, he goes for a career high 120. He joined us, uh, side plug uh, on the Bloom Show that should be up on the Rice House Insider podcast soon, if not already. And it's on the YouTube uh, stream as well. Uh, but 
seeing what they did from the ground game and just getting to know John Settle a little bit, man, what a, what a great guy and how That's the fun. running game is coming to form. And that was the best offensive line game that Sanders Davis and company has had. I, I think multiple years, the way they played and Dean after the game was quick to credit uh, like Grant Banks in the offensive line. But then we had Brant on the post-game show. And he's like, man, Dean hit those holes. I'm so happy for him. So you're kind of starting to see the cohesion no, you. No, on that you. line. No, it was you, 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 Spider-Man me, you know. But, yeah, so uh, those, those are two of the big things. The pressure that – how can they handle the pressure from Tulane's defense, uh, but still trying to run the football a little and uh, getting some turnovers sure would – negate things because you want to keep that bad man Tulane's got a bad man on their side of the field Michael Pratt and and you don't want him on the field uh that much and the way Hughes has been running the football for them so yeah we could go on and on but uh, those are my 19 keys squeezed down into one thing see I, I just tried to do that but it could be fun all right Taco Bell order uh, it, it, it depends. Uh, I've been, been a box guy lately, so I'll get maybe the uh, one of the boxes, the cravings boxes. But usually uh, you got Mexican pizza, cheesy gordita crunch. You can't really go wrong with that value. The number seven, you got the quesadilla and the taco, but the Doritos Locos tacos are not bad either. But I love it. I have not had Taco Bell in quite some time and maybe – Maybe maybe we're gonna have to get together with Corey pre or post game and just uh, go go hang out at Taco Bell. Yeah, I assume he's not watching now, but he doesn't know. I'm gonna bring Taco Bell for him to the game, so you're in on that too. If you want me to, just text me your order. I'll do that, you know, uh, and still eat the pregame stuff that they give us too. So it's a three o'clock game, so it's kind of weird. It's, it's like late dinner, yeah. but yeah, you know. Get some winner in there. We'll figure it out. <laughs> All right. We will uh we'll be back next week breaking down, I don't know, another fast food favorite. I'm I'm a Chick-fil-A guy, man. I'm simple. I'll tell you. Yeah, you I'll can't go wrong. All day. Um, or something else. Hopefully we'll talk a little bit of Tulane win or loss, however that goes. And then we'll preview the next game, the end of the conference schedule. I can't keep it straight. It'll be fun, man. What's even another thing? Yeah. We'll be back. I don't know. Army's in the AAC. Breaking news. Yeah. How about that, right? There you go. So I don't know if that's a non-conference game <laughs> next year or a conference <laughs> game. or I, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. But right now, Tulane, next game up, 3 o'clock, Rice Stadium. Come get your gummy worms or whatever. We'll see you there. <laughs> Come fight. Never dies, baby. Never dies. Chicken Chalupa, also a quality, quality item. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, gummy worms. <laughs>